Asian Pop Nation on Sin ninety point seven. Welcome to Asian Pop Nation on Sin. We just kicked things off with Jenna Sakoi by NCT one two seven. But before that, we had "I Want That" by G Idol and "Holy Toast" by By, all of which are from amazingly talented Korean artists. Alongside me, your EP Jesse, you will also be hearing from some of our other APN hosts tonight, um, including Leisha, Lee, Tracy, and JP. In today's show, we've got a very exciting lineup. We'll firstly be discussing the music and films we're eagerly anticipating at South by Southwest in Sydney. Plus, we'll dive into some street woman fighter drama and share some of our favorite reading habits. Before we delve into tonight's upcoming tracks, a big shout out to our listeners and the wider Sin community. Your ongoing support really means the whole world to us. Sin has been a crucial platform for young creators for over two decades, empowering them to showcase their passions. It's not just about amplifying the voices of young people; it's about embracing diversity in programming. However, we're currently facing some unexpected challenges due to funding cuts post COVID nineteen. Sin is currently relying on its cash reserves, which unfortunately won't last very long. That's why, for the next six weeks, Sin is launching an emergency fundraiser to ensure shows like Asian Pop Nation, which you are tuned into right now, can continue entertaining you. If you appreciate the content and music we bring to you every week and have the means to do so, please do consider making a donation. A huge, huge thank you to everyone who's already contributed, and trust me when I say this: every donation, big or small, makes a big difference. Welcome back to Asian Pop Nation on Sin, where you guys just heard "Just Fun" by Park Moon Chi with George, and before that, you guys heard "Love Effect" by On and Off, and even more before that, at the very start, you guys heard "Trouble" by Even. Now, coming up, us at Asian Pop Nation thought it'd be very fitting for us to cover. South by Southwest, which is a music festival held in Sydney, and although it is classified as a music festival, they don't just cover music. No, they also cover things like films and games, and basically just a whole heap of things under, like everything under the sun, basically. So us here at Asia Pop Nation thought it would be very fitting to run down some of the artists and also some of the. Films we are looking forward to, even though、um, we probably aren't going to be able to go.、Um, but yeah, without further ado, I am going to pass the mic right along to Leisha. Right now, we're going to be talking about another festival that's happening around, but only in one place. That one place being in Sydney. <laughs>、um, <laughs> it already brings me. So much pain internally, knowing that this is not happening in our side of the world, but. Essentially, we're gonna be talking about the South by Southwest Sydney, which is happening from the fifteenth to the twenty second of October. <laughs> Basically, South by Southwest. If you're not really familiar about the festival and all that stuff,、uh, I've kind of heard like the name throughout the years as like it's always been painted as like this mega big festival, kind of showcasing literally everything across the sun from music. To、uh, like films, short films, like music video screenings, technology stuff that's going on, games, and big like press conferences, events, and a, a lot of like speakers and all stuff. So it's really a massive festival that is kind of encompassing of every single medium that you personally enjoy. The thing that makes it unique about South by Southwest is that it really highlights a lot of like indie talents that are in the scene.、Um, 
And right now here in APN, we actually really want to talk about the South by Southwest in Sydney because A, this is the first time ever that they're expanding outside of the U.S. It's usually in Austin, Texas, of all places. Yeah, I know, Lee. So random. Um, the Yeehaw State of America. <laughs> but this time they, I mean, I think I've done it across the board on like other places in America. But this time they're going to Sydney and it's going to be essentially over a thousand different events that are all happening within that week. And it's just happening all across like the Sydney CBD area and with the South by Southwest Sydney specifically, as opposed to uh, what they showcase all the time in America. What makes this one different is they're really highlighting that um, this festival per se wants to showcase all the talent that exists within the Asia Pacific region. So not just what is locally here in Australia, but across Asia as well, which is where we at APN come in. Mm -hmm. And we just wanted to, I guess, go through the list of some of the like bonkers amount of talent and content that is going to be in this festival. It is Again, going through this entire list makes me want to cry internally because we're getting none of this here, but that's fine. Sydney can have their wins, I guess. But yeah, I guess do we want to start with the music? Yeah, we can definitely talk about the music because actually a lot of the um, artists who are going to be appearing at South by Southwest in Sydney this year are artists that we've played before on the show on Asian Pop Nation. I'm starting off with an artist that we've actually interviewed before, Ashwarya. I think we've mm -hmm. actually interviewed her twice. Twice before with yeah. our fellow APN team members who are not here, Celeste and Xenia. Hello, yes. hello from out there in the world. <laughs> I still think about you sometimes. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, she's a Melbourne-based artist. And she's if you if you're not in Sydney, she's actually touring right now. Um and she has a few dates lined up in October in mm. like Victoria. So check her out. But um after that on the list, I've got Chameleon Lime Whoopie Pie, a Japanese pop act, and their stuff is incredibly wacky, kind of loud, ostentatious. Um, she's got like bright orange hair and that's kind of their trademark. I think one of their latest releases was just called Orange, but their stuff is very fun. Um, running quickly down the list first, Phoebe Putri. Um, I don't know if I'm, if I'm pronouncing that right, but she's a e uh, singer-songwriter and I've definitely used like one or two of her ballads to end off the show on like a, a sentimental way um, because she just has a voice that really tugs on your heartstrings and also Girl Gang, who I'm probably going to play after this segment because they have a new album out, but they're a very fun, very irreverent indie rock trio. Next, quick fire, Meaningful Stone. Does anyone know who Meaningful Stone is? No. Okay, Meaningful Stone is a Korean indie artist and she <laughs> this is really, really um online, but she's really her twenty twenty album, A Call from My Dream, is really highly rated on Rate My Music. <laughs> Rate your music. But um no, I really like that album. Um I was really happy to see it rated so highly. I was like, oh my god, other people know of this album? I think it gets recommended to me on Spotify a lot, like when you autoplay stuff. But um yeah, she's also going into that album's very like um kind of uh acoustic folk elements in it, but uh her recent stuff's been like quite heavier, but quite 
Have you? I and mean, we've um, played some of her recent singles on the show. Um, after that, the Otoboke Biva are a punk rock band that people always recommend me, like the the engineering boys at work. Are like, you're into Japanese music, you might like this band. I've somehow made the crossover into that world. Um, but they are very fun, all-female punk rock band. And lastly, we have, well, on my list, we have Wallace, who is, I think, I believe a half-Japanese um, American singer. Um, she describes herself as a jazz school dropout, but we have played so many of her songs. Um, shout out to Mooncake, um, <laughs> the show Mooncake, um, was where I learned about her. But um, yeah, she is a really great pop singer-songwriter, writes really great confessional lyrics. That's the end of my little spiel on the musics, uh, the musicians you can look forward to at Southwest Southwest Sydney that I know of. But no, um, other ones, because I know I mentioned it earlier that the, I guess, friend or like just one of the main things that South by Southwest in general like to do is specifically highlighting um, artists that are quite, I guess, indie is the word we're going to use here. Mm-hmm. But they do have some selection of artists that are coming down to Sydney that, um, from my personal knowledge, are actually quite big locally. But this is kind of like their first big exposure to like outside the home country and what artists am I referring to haha so the ones there are two and they're both Malaysian artists that I have the names if again if you're Malaysian or if you're just somebody who really keeps up with like the Malaysian music scene that is small but it is thriving some it's living okay um (laughs) There are two artists from here that, oh my god, when I saw them on the set, like, the list here, I jumped out of my chair because these artists, in my head, they've always existed when I'm back in Malaysia, but this is the first time I've ever heard of them kind of performing outside of Malaysia. One of them being the band Hujan. Now, Hujan means rain in BM, haha, language lesson for y'all there. But basically, they are a like a rock band that existed like way back in like MySpace days, like 2005. I'm pretty sure that is how like the band kind of formed is through the MySpace era. Um, because one of the members used to post like demos and stuff to there, and the linkage just kind of happened there. But it's just crazy to me because again, this is like a group that I've known since like. I was really, really young back in Malaysia, but this is the first time I've actually seen their name associated with like something outside of Malaysia and very excited that they're actually having a like big exposure moment outside of that space of like Southeast Asia in general, because I know they do tours in Indonesia and are very popular there as well. And another one, which I personally really love her and I've always been wanting to her to have her big moment um, but it is the Malaysian artist, uh, artist Luna Dera. Oh my god. She's basically part of the group of like current Malaysian artists that are, I feel like are in Malaysia kind of making waves right now. They're one of like the front men you would say in pushing for the Malaysian music industry to again have their re- renaissance moment or stuff like that. But oh my god. She's just, uh, I can't describe music, guys. It's not my forte, but trust that I just really like her a lot. And I'm very happy that 
an artist like her is having this moment in South by Southwest and I'm just like oh my god I ah, I just can't imagine having that platform again Malaysian artists is just mean something a little because if you remember ages ago when we talked about that whole good vibes festival situation the music industry in Malaysia is a bit of a struggle town so any exposure that they can get outside of Malaysia is like big W win moment so oh my god I love it but that is my two like mini shout outs that I wanted to do as well this is Asian Pop Nation on Sin, where you guys just heard a couple of great rock tracks. Starting off with Ballad of a Homeschooled Girl by Olivia Rodrigo. And before that, you guys heard two songs who are both by artists that are performing at South by Southwest in Sydney. The first of which is California by Tiffy. And before that, you guys also heard Blue Stained Lips by Girl Gang. And yeah, coming up next, we will be diving into some of our favorite film picks at South by Southwest. I know it's meant to be a music festival, but they cover everything from music to films to games. So don't be surprised about the lineup. There is a lot going on and it is a bit unfortunate that we cannot cover everything that is happening at South by Southwest. But we are very excited to cover what we can. And so coming up next, we will be delving into some of the films there. I thought the one thing that was very interesting with South by Southwest is it's like an array. Like it's like when I think about screenings in festival form, I'm always thinking like it's just films, but they're actually showcasing a lot of like music videos for the very first time. Um, like Ashwarya, for example, she's gonna be um uh, she's gonna be premiering like her music video called Up in My Head. Uh and from the description and stuff that it says here, it's kind of marking her own cinematic universe out of her EP titled Why It's Gotta Hurt. Um, and not only that, there's just, I when I was scouring through this, there are so many, like, again, short films and stuff that are done by, God, I don't know how to phrase this correct, like, properly yet, but it's just a lot of the thieves themes from these short films and stuff that are being showcased here are very like whoa like not something that I would have ever like I would see on the mainstream like screens of Hollywood and stuff like that oh like for example I saw this one which is made locally here in Australia but it's set in like a it says here like a suburban Chinese restaurant and you're basically following through this like narrator who is kind of I guess dissecting through all the lives of everybody that is existing in this dining table in a Chinese restaurant. And it's like the film is very specifically being focused on this particular event of like everyone being in this one Chinese restaurant and apparently uses miniature sets, um, like using miniature sets, but having like live action people performing, I guess, around them and all that stuff. And I was just like, oh, wow, intriguing. And if you're somebody who uh, you like the 88 Rising scene, you keep up with artists such as Rich Brian and more, um, you might be surprised that there is going to be a film showing at South by Southwest, which marks as the film debut for Rich Brian, which is going to be showing at South by Southwest, which is called Jamo Jaya. And... It apparently had his big world premiere back in Sundance earlier this year, which is another very big film festival. Um, but yeah, he's making his film debut in a 
in Justin Chan's family drama fresh oh no like family drama type of thing and from what I gather it's a I feel like it's something that maybe he like might personally relate to and stuff because it's revolving around an up-and-coming rapper that essentially is at like a I guess having I don't know they're having like a pause moment in their career or something which leads them to having to let go their manager the problem is the manager happens to be his own father so I guess the entire film kind of revolves around family drama on that department and I was like when I saw this I was like what I was also really surprised that they're they were showing films that actually premiered in South by Southwest like ages ago back in like 1996 and they're showing them here one of them being the ghost in the shell film yeah that that anime which I did not know was screened in South by Southwest back in 1996 and I guess into paying homages to screenings that happened in the past they're also showing it here in Sydney so I guess if you're a fan of like very very old like 1995 anime films now's your chance and you happen to be in sydney yeah and you can watch that instead of watching the scarlett johansson one um <laughs> oh but no it is nuts like i literally begging listeners there's one thing you do just go through the schedule in your own time because apn we do not have that many hours in the day to go through every single Oh, like every single artist every single film every single like games and stuff that's gonna be there because it is stacked to the brim oh my gosh but yeah that is just some if not like two percent of the incredible talent that is going to be present in south by southwest sydney i guess listeners if you happen to be going to sydney in like the next few weeks or so um take a look at the schedule let us know what you think and everything true Asian Pop Nation on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You are tuned in to Asian Pop Nation on Sin, where you guys just heard a collection of Japanese and Taiwanese tracks. Starting off with If You Ever by How Z, which is from their album Take It Easy. And before that, you guys heard I Just Wanna Dance With You, period, by Kel Miko. And before that, you guys heard Blank Room Wa Yume no Naka by Yuka Nagase. And just a little reminder that if you guys want to continue hearing Asian music like this on the airwaves for many, many more years to come, we really need your support right now. So make sure to head over to givenow.com.au slash sin and make a donation if you are able. Now, coming up next, we will be covering Street Woman Fighter, which is a popular South Korean dance competition. Um, and uh, basically eight female dance crews fight against each other to determine who is the best dance crew. Um... And so we will be speaking a bit more about that and also about some drama featuring some dance studios right here in Melbourne. So if you guys are curious about that, definitely stay tuned. Um, But yeah, we will be talking more about that right now. Recently, there has been a show that has taken over my entire like social media feed whenever I'm trying to look at K-pop idol things because everyone's doing a cover of a particular dance from this show. And what is the show I'm talking about specifically? It is Street Woman Fighter. The title of itself makes it sound like I'm talking about the newest video game or something, but no, no. It is a very popular South Korean dance competition show done by the lovely folks, and I say lovely in sarcasm, 
lovely folks down at Mnet. It's a show that revolves around eight female dance crews. They kind of do a whole fight to the death, not really, but fighting against each other to kind of determine the best of the best dance crew out there in Korea. It's been very popular since the first ever season back in 2021. Became like an instant hit with a lot of names like Monica and Noze, uh, Lee Jung-lee that were pretty popular within like the Korean dance community. Or if you're somebody who really loves to keep up with like choreographers of your favorite K-pop songs. But after the first season aired, they really kind of had a big name in the overall like Korean entertainment scene, which just goes to tell you like how popular this first season was. For a lot of people who are like, I guess your main indulgement of Korean entertainment content is like K-pop specifically. Every idol was doing one of the dances from the show and you just see their faces everywhere and you're like, whoa, what's going on? Like, I remember a big thing was back in 2021 in the first season, basically in Hyuna and Don's ping pong, um, when they performed one of their songs live, I remember a big talk everyone had was that the backup dancers were having their own fan cams for that song. And in that moment, I was like, oh, okay, the show is kind of big, big, because their views were actually way more, like 6 million views plus, as opposed to the idols that are performing the song, which at the time was Hyuna and Dawn. Since then, and then they've kind of like continued the hype. They've done like a male equivalent called Street Man Fighter back last year. And now they're officially back with the new season, Street Woman Fighter 2. And it's airing like as we speak right now. It is still ongoing. So if you randomly want to pick up the show, you can do it right now. And you will not be missing like much yet because there's still so much stuff going on. But for, I guess, additional background context of this new season, as I mentioned way back, it always features like eight dance crews this year, no different. They've got One Million, Bebe, Dip and Dap, Lady Bounce, Wolf Flow, Mana Queen. And for the first time in this series, they kind of wanted to spice things up, I guess, by introducing two overseas dance crews. So the first one we have is Jam Republic that are, they're kind of painted as more of a general global crew, but the members are comprised of dancers from Australia, New Zealand, and America. And the second group is Tsubakil, which are the Japanese dance crew. This show, it's by Mnet, so it thrives in like manufactured drama. So you get so much beefing. An example would be the leader of dance crew Dip and Dab used to be in One Million ages ago. And she and the lead dancer for One Million used to be besties, but no more. They have a big fallout. I mean, it's for entertainment. It's reality TV at the end of the day. But then you get to the show and they make it seem like it's the whole big fallout. And they make it seem like all these dancers really hold grudges. They're just coming up with words of saying like, oh, I just love this company because I wanted to form my own dance studio or something. But then they make it seem like, you betrayed me. You lost my trust as a fellow friend in the community. Da -da 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 -da. And I'm like, I don't know if the actual dance community in Korea is like this for real, because from what I know, at least in the mellow one, it's quite chill for the most part. <laughs> and my main issue with like season two is that with the addition of like two overseas dance crews, 
this is an issue I have completely with South Korean entertainment industry as a whole wanting to appeal to a global audience, but at the same time, you still hold all these very traditional and racist values that you perpetuate on the TV screens. And I feel like Street Woman Fighter 2, no exception to that, unfortunately. But yeah, Street Woman Fighter 2, show that's currently airing. A lot, a lot of people have many opinions about several of the dance crews, but now we're gonna talk about something that's very locally here in Melbourne. I don't know, I never thought I would have to be here today where a show based in South Korea has any connection to here in Melbourne, but there has been some recent, we call it beef, but really you get to find out with us what it actually is. Essentially, this was brought to at least my attention by these surprise Instagram stories from a couple of independent studios from like other countries, one of them being right here locally in Melbourne. Tracy, how would you summarize this? Both of these stories are basically these dance years apologizing to Jam Republic, one of the crews on the show, for teaching their choreo in their classes. Basically, with these, the crux of the situation is a lot of these, like, dance studios that don't have any relation to, like, the show or anything, they're not based in Korea, have been offering classes for some of the choreographies that have been featured in Street Woman Fighter. These stories and stuff are kind of written quite vaguely, but I'm assuming that the choreographies they're referring to are one which is called like the click like choreography click like choreography which is done by Latresse specifically from Jam Republic and another one that's very popular as well is Smoke which is choreographed by Pada from Bebe technically also part of Jam Republic but essentially because these two dances out of the show have gone really really viral I suppose a lot of these dance studios saw it as like an opportunity to offer classes where they teach these dances. And the issue that kind of sprung up was Jam Republic specifically in this case, reaching out to these studios like ones here in Melbourne to put a stop to it. Kind of saying that like, no, like please do not use these choreographies. I wanna clarify specifically, mm. it seems like the main issue is using other people's choreos and teaching them in paid classes so making people um, come to paid classes and, and not teaching them like your own choreo is like generally frowned upon apparently in the dance community mm -hmm. um, it's like a, for example like a rapper not writing their own bars like it's seen as like a violation of I guess the artistic creed of the dance community and that's why those studios were reached out to and some people might ask like well, why is this different to k-pop choreography because K-pop Corey is such a huge part of attracting people to dance studios in the first place. And I think the reason why that's different is because K-pop Corey is something that isn't created by a dance studio for themselves. It's created for a client, the K-pop company. And the K-pop company wants that choreography to travel far and wide to spread mm. the word yeah. um, of this group's existence. So mm -hmm. it's a different product, I guess. It's seen differently to choreographies that are made for dance competitions. Yeah, exactly. With like K-pop choreographies and all this stuff, they're marketed away with like everyone can follow and all that stuff. And I mean, I know with these like this choreographies for Street Woman Fighter, the members and stuff of all these dance crews have been very supportive online and on social media when they see other people on TikTok recreating on their own. They're not saying no to that sort of thing. 
again I think the main issue is like the monetization of it it kind of comes off as like in a way that you're not respecting the work that is done by the choreographers that have created it uh insane with like where Tracy and myself like had this discussion before with like a mutual friend that was very active in like the dance scene the one word that they used to describe it is like refreshing that's like the one thing that really I remembered in my head was they said this whole situation was actually quite refreshing because they themselves always had a bit of like a iffy feeling about k-pop choreographies being like monetized in this manner in like dance studios but there is like a gray line with that as we mentioned earlier but in this case yeah they were saying it was like very refreshing that jam republic reached out to these dance companies in melbourne and stuff but yeah no it's just really interesting it's also just the craziness of it is that it all happened like down here our little world down in melbourne that has no we're not Korea, but it's just so surreal. It feels like the people you're watching on reality TV have reached through the screen and are like grabbing you by the shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> like that meme, like the smiley face man with the real hands. Yes, oh, yes. That, that <laughs> <to me. laughs> like, wow, they interact with our universe? Crazy, yeah. I guess, listeners, let us know what you think about, well, the show itself, Street Woman Fighter 2, if you're keeping up with this current new season. Or, if you aren't and you just heard this like a quote-unquote beef moment with dance studios and all this stuff and you have some opinions about it let us know as well through our social medias on facebook twitter and instagram and that was there by kiana v and before that particular track you guys heard a puppet show by xg from their album new dna and even more before that, you guys heard Click Like by Crush featuring Paul Blanco. And of course, you guys are tuning in right here on Asian Pop Nation, where we will now be delving into a bit of a casual talk segment where we talk about some of our recent reading habits, um, why we read, why we don't, um, what's difficult about reading, yeah, all that. So without further ado, I will cut straight to JP. Do you read? Reading is a thing they teach you in school where you look at words and then like look at them and you go, ah, I know what that word is. This segment isn't like specifically on like, oh, looking at words. It's more like, you know, on books and generally like reading stories. So that question was actually directed towards you guys. Do you read, Tracy? Do you read? Me? Yeah. Not, I, I read because I think you can't, but I don't read books. Uh-huh. I have not read books for a very long time because my eyesight is terrible and uh-huh. I spend all my day looking at screens. But when I was a, a young un, when I was just a wee child, I used to read voraciously. I used to read like four books. We used to be able to like borrow four books a week from the school library. And by the time I graduated, I'd read like everything in the library. Um, that was because we didn't have the internet back then. Um, and after I got access to the internet, I just kind of stopped reading. <laughs> wow. Dude. Wow, same. I, you go, Jesse. I share that sentiment because I was also a huge bookworm as a child. And then as um life happened, I read less books. And then I discovered the internet and all its mm. forms of entertainment. But I've recently been trying to get back into it. And it's hard finding book recommendations nowadays. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, but uh, Jesse, you actually read, though. Like, physical books. You still yeah. read. <laughs> I do. Oh, um, my God. That's good. <laughs> do you, Lee? Do you? 
I think I'm about the same as Tracy. I discovered uh -huh. the internet. I used to be in the library all the time. And then I discovered the internet. And then there was this thing called fan fiction. Oh, <laughs> no, <laughs> man. Did you just replace all of your reading with fan fiction? Yeah. Like, oh, no. oh my God. Like my parents would turn off the Wi-Fi so that I wouldn't use it at night. And then I will just use my data to read fan fiction. It was just... Anyways, don't do that. I lost so That's much sleep. That's bad. That's terrible. Uh, oh and then I God. transitioned into manga. Was <laughs> that oh, reading? Reading comics? Yeah, that, that's reading. Okay. That counts as reading. Then yeah, I do works. read. I read every day. <laughs> God. Did you ever nice. write fan fiction? No. Oh, I did once actually. It was terrible. Like mm. for fun. But you fun. actually like write. <laughs> like. <laughs> You like oh. a manga, you write your manga. Yeah, yeah, that I guess counts. I write. Yeah, you're still storytelling. Yeah. That's true. That's with true. me, it's just the fundamental inability to storytell. It no. just, I cannot. I'm sure it's in you, Tracy. You just gotta believe that no. yeah, imagination. <laughs> no, I'm know. just like too realistic. Oh my god, too down I, to earth. I like to analyze real things. I don't even like fiction anymore because it's just not realistic enough. Oh, really? It's like, oh, someone is in a really hard place and then they magically get out of it through some Dersex machina. And that just makes me even more depressed. Actually, oh. I think that's another reason why I stopped reading because it was just making me depressed. What? Wait, how? <laughs> I don't know, like when you get super emotionally involved in like a book and then you finish it and you're like Oh and then it ah, ends and you're okay, like Oh yeah. they've all died essentially Yeah okay Because they can read that book Like you just read it and it's just like a lot of books have some sort of tension to them I mean that's a good book right but for uh -huh. me sometimes that's like I don't know I think I was just incredibly mentally ill in high school and that might have added to <laughs> yeah, <I think laughs> And the more I talk I'm like oh yeah, I was just not well in high school Oh my god Taruki, do you have the same problem as Um, I usually, I did read a lot in primary school like the others, but I think I took a break from reading because none of the books that we had, like, you know how in year seven, like, or in high school, we were forced to read certain books to analyze? Those were the only mm -hmm. books that I read for school or, like, in general. And the most I read probably was in year 11 and 12 because I did English and literature. So, like, oh, oh no, why'd you do that? Oh, even I didn't do literature. But I did both English and literature. So, there were oh. like four to eight books within the year itself. So, I probably read 16 within the last two years of high school. Mm. And then on top of that, two film analyses like four in total of year 11 and 12 mm -hmm. so this year didn't read much so my mom was like you're gonna read more books and you're gonna go to a book club so now i'm in a monthly book club being yeah. forced to read a book actually that's not too bad i'd yeah. like to join a book club actually yeah i don't nice. mind it mm. it's just the books that we read are in any of like my interests or like in my realm of like um historical fiction or like right Right. Like, you know, fantasy and stuff like that so I'm just sitting there like forcing myself to read a book that I'm potentially hating and never read again because oh, yeah. like mm. shoved in my face oh you have to read mm -hmm. this for this month so yeah that's the thing about books like it's a time investment and like time is not something I think limited yeah yeah like if you go to a music 
club and you force people to listen to an album, uh, I may have done this in the past, they're only losing like one hour of their time, right? They're not that's losing true. like mm. uh, like three weeks of their time. That's true. That's true. The book clubs are basically tyranny. So maybe we shouldn't support them. Only They're only good if the books they push are good. But when they're not good, it's like death. Yeah, I think like mm. being mm. forced to read in high school just made me like lose interest in reading. Mm. Mm. Well. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what happens usually. Is there is there a genre of books that you guys love investing your time in? Like I specific love genre. Very mundane stories. Yeah. Like canon compliance stories. What does that mean? What? <laughs> like stories that are about ordinary people. Slice I guess. of life. I, slice of life. Mm. I I think I re- I liked those stories the most when I was a kid. Although Aww. my favorite series ever was a series of unfortunate events, which oh. is. <laughs> About okay. a bunch of kids who get pursued by an extremely evil, um, distant relative after their family dies in a brutal fire. Right. Oh my god. But it was cool. It was about like spy agencies and stuff. But I guess mm-hmm. that's not really realism, is it? Mm-hmm. So I guess I don't really have a genre because I don't read books. Is what I should have said at the beginning oh. of this paragraph. I'm Lol. like the total opposite. I like like adventure, fantasy, that's maybe romance. Cool. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like I can't if, get into romance. That's... I think if it's written well and the dialogue isn't cringe, I can mm. get behind it. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, if Xenia was here, she'd give you all the recommendations. I'm yeah. pretty sure she knows. Mm. I think I'm just immune to romance. Like I read a thing <laughs> and I'm like, is this meant to be romantic? Or have they watched too much anime? Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I found that with everything I read that's like vaguely romantic. I can't get into it. I, mm, I'm just not into r- romantic relationships like that. I guess. <laughs> And that was See You Never by the Indonesian singer Moneval from their album Senses. And before that, you guys heard Call Me Back by Rad Museum featuring Bayo. And even more before that, you guys heard Cake by Shirt featuring Trade L. Now, coming up next, we will be delving into part two of the Reading Habits segments. And yeah, we will be delving into some of the qualms we have with current books out there and why we might not be super interested in them. Um, but yeah, without further ado, let's get into it. The thing with uh romance, the romance books that I read, um, so okay, how do I explain it in a way that doesn't seem like I am dissing all the English authors out there? So I find that with a lot of English authors, it's very hard to write a good romance or a good fantasy. Like it has to be like a very specific um mix of like, oh, this is good fantasy, but also there's not so much thrown at you at once that you don't understand what's going on. So a lot of the romances I read are like Danme, which yeah. are like Chinese BL kind of vibes. Like they write the really good romance. Romances, I think Lee can attest. I think, they just I think it's different. because it's mainly written from like a woman's point of view. Mm. I mean, sorry, like by a woman about a relationship. I don't know. It just like is just nicer to read and just more romantic than a lot of like. Yeah, and I know. find that like. <laughs> A lot of romances as well, the way they're written seems very, like, cookie-cutter almost. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's the same kind of vibe. Um, 
they see they see each other they get attracted they fall in love all that kind of stuff it's just churned out like a sausage yeah it's like a, like a it's very similar. and then also it's like a lot of those books their covers are so generic and the covers that have like pictures of like actual people on there just doing like romantic stuff yeah no uh, and it doesn't just I don't know if that makes sense, but um yeah, romance uh, is hard to get. I uh, I have a very specific taste in romance. Wow. When I was a kid, I don't know why, but I fell in love with reading like romance books. I don't know. I think it was because I was that like lovesick child where I was like, oh, how wonderful would it be to be in a relationship? I was Delulu, so I think now that I've become to an age where I'm like, I don't like that much romance because the books that we have out there is just not the same or like none of them are just as interesting as I would like it to be. The plot seems too simple or like there's no build up or anything. So I no longer like the romance books. So now I'm into historical fiction, fantasy, adventure. Still don't have the guts to read true crime or mystery, but slowly getting there certainly a fan of historical fiction or like anything that's got to do with history stuff so like um i remember for the book club we read the tattooist of auschwitz from the last um, month and i found it interesting because it was a different perspective and it was something that i knew a little bit of what happened in that time of like history but not too much so i learned a little more from that perspective so that's why i'm now into more like history books even if it's factual or even fictional so definitely a history person i do listen to history podcasts as well so yeah that's my little journey oh and also during like when i was a kid i'm pretty sure other people have read the jeremy student books or like the student books yo yes, the, i the, love the mouse them. with the suit yeah yeah and the funky oh, text bro, oh, no, i love oh that so much that's what Dude. got me into mystery actually that's that's a good intro in what mystery. a you just unlocked like a core memory yeah i wow. don't know if you guys have read like the fairy books in year three i don't know if you've read oh. those books, but oh those were like iconic as well like there's like another part of my memory like the fairy books we would like collect them all and try to read all of them but for me I read them like whenever I got my hands on it and mind you I didn't read it in sequence so I'm like reading parts where none of some of the information did not make sense but other than that I I go into like the public library and I just sneak into like the children's section I just look at how if like the German children books have like changed or like are there any new books out there I don't think they have changed or I don't know if they've released any new books but I used to love those man mm, amazing before we wrap up I wanted to ask how you guys keep on track of keep on top of new releases because you guys have mentioned like book talk a couple times. Mm, mm. Um, for me, I don't. You don't. <laughs> I just I just read really old stuff written by like dead old white guys. Ah. So, yes, yeah. Mr. Dostoevsky. Yeah, Mr. Dostoevsky. Some Tolstoy, you know. Yeah. Um, but I do know there there are YouTube channels out there that are like you know, it's like called booktube or something mm, the booktube that's so world. strange to me that's like mm. an, like a the more zoomer version is like book talk now book talk yeah ah. which is like tiktok book recommendations mm-hmm. but there's this stigma around like tiktok book recommendations that they're like cringe and bad but i have never read any of them so i can't say <laughs> untested we are tested <laughs> 
Yeah, it yeah. seems weird because like TikTok is custom made for people with extremely short attention spans and then reading is not for people with extremely short attention yeah. spans. So it's like, it's so weird that this is a thing, BookTok. Mm -hmm. that's, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's actually interesting. Like I'd go into mm -hmm. like a bookstore and there would be a novel that's like number one and then on it there would be a fat sticker that's like oh. as recommended by TikTok or BookTok. And it's yeah, like, oh, okay, no, cool. yeah, I've seen that around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's what the youngins do, I guess. Before we end, do you guys remember sure. the Scholastic Book Fair? Yes. Scholastic book oh fair. my god, that was. I want to. I want that again. Yeah, oh, they would give you just us. a catalog of books. Yeah. And you could look at the title and like a description and the cover. And from that, you'd be like, oh, should I buy this book or not? Yep. And your parents would just give you like a few bucks to buy some books. Yeah. Ah, good times. Oh, I like that. I like that. That was good. That was good. But yes, that is it. That is reading. Uh, <laughs> listeners, if you also read and like books, or even hate them, actually, um, you should tell us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Asian Pop Nation. This is Asian Pop Nation on Sin, and you just heard Goldfish by Kenta Didachi featuring Rain. And before that, you guys heard Aroma by Silly Silky. And even more before that, you guys heard Mean by Milena. And all three of these songs were more chilled out, retro ballad-like songs. Um, they were very nice and mellow and slow. As we slow down and come to the end of our show tonight, um, this has been Asian Pop Nation on Sin. And you were joined by me, your EP, Jesse, along with Tracy, Alicia, Lee, and JP. We covered a variety of topics including the South by Southwest um, music festival in Sydney and some recent um, drama involving Street Woman Fighter 2 and uh, a local dance group here in Melbourne. And we also covered some of our reading habits and um, why we have or haven't been reading enough books recently. Before we round off the show for tonight, I would love to play some more music for you guys. And I would also want to give a big shout out to everyone who has come together in support of Sin in these recent weeks. And I hope they will continue to do so to keep Sin on the airwaves. Um, remember, uh, any donation, any amount really counts. So if you guys have the means to, definitely please donate. Um, we would love to continue playing music for you guys for another 20 years and we hope we can continue to do so. So if you guys want to continue hearing Asian Pop Nation on your airwaves, please do consider donating so that we can continue to stay on your airwaves. 